The following KOPN podcast is made possible by the generous donations of listeners like you. Please consider a donation to listener-supported community radio, KOPN. You can donate securely on our website at kopn.org. Hello, welcome to Food Sleuth Radio, where we help you think beyond your plate. I'm Melinda Hemmelgarn. I'm a registered dietitian and an investigative nutritionist, and I'm on a mission to connect the dots between food, health, and agriculture. And today I have with me a wonderful friend, Julie Fisher. Uh, Julie, thank you so much for being on with me today. Thank you. I think we formally met on the steps of the Capitol, where we were both attending a rally uh, under the Missouri Rural Crisis Center's uh, great guidance to limit CAFOs uh, coming into our state and just talk a little bit to our representatives and senators about why CAFOs are so dangerous. And I was so impressed with your work in Arrow Rock that I wanted you to be on with me. Um, so tell me, how how and why did you get involved with this? And I know you live in Arrow Rock and Columbia, Missouri. Is yes, that correct? Um well, my husband and I own a home in Arrow Rock, and that's where my husband lived for many years. And then after his son passed away, we actually purchased his home in Acreage in rural Boone County. So we basically share our time between both of those places. And then about three years ago, we learned that a concentrated animal feeding operation, um, also known as a CAFO, was threatening to locate within two miles of this little historic village of Arrow Rock. That we all know and love. Yes, it, 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 it's a wonderful place. And, and so as, as property owners, we became really concerned, but we, we really became concerned, too, for the negative impacts on that little village. And, you know, that, that little village has about 80 full-time residents, but it is a national historic historic landmark and it is a state historic site. It's been recognized by the National Historic Trust as a top 12 destination. It received an award for historic places by Laura Bush. Um, It uh, is home to the Lyceum Theater and it's a place where about 150,000 people including a whole bunch of school kids visit every year. Yeah, you know, I was really curious. Uh, when I learned that a CAFO was thinking about locating near Arrow Rock, I was absolutely amazed. I thought, boy, if it was going to locate anywhere, this would be absolutely the worst place on earth. But I, I'm also very sensitive to CAFOs moving into communities where, rural communities where people who've been living on family farms for, you know, these century farms all of a sudden find out that they can't sit outside anymore uh, because of the stench. And I know that the stench is one of the issues that the university looks at. I think there was some research going on uh, trying to get the odor out of the manure that are that's generated by uh, CAFOs. However, I always looked at that idea of removing the stench as then you'd have odorless pollution. Yes, exactly. Well, I, you know, we knew that stench was going to be involved in, in this CAFO because this little, this CAFO would have um, been located upwind within two miles of the little village of Arrow Rock, and, and it would have housed 4,800 head of hogs and two buildings built over virtually a concrete swimming pool to collect all this hog waste. And 
And so we're talking about enough manure that is basically the equivalent of the waste of a, a, a small city. Did I read correctly that hogs produce three times as much manure as humans? I think so. I think that's that's right. That's um, amazing. Yeah, yeah. And 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 we'll, you know I want to talk in a little bit about about what is in that waste that um, that that is most. Um, most risky, and I, you know, so I, I, I guess I always refer to odor as the uh, first line of offense. Uh, yeah, it's but, a marker. We know that CAFOs do a whole lot more than just stink up the place. You know, my husband and I, uh, for our 25th wedding anniversary, we we drove up to um, St. Paul, Minnesota. On the way up, you know, we drove through Iowa. And it was a pretty scary revelation because, first of all, all I saw were was basically mile after mile of corn and soy with an occasional stench so bad that I covered my mouth and nose and thought, oh, my God, what is that? Yeah. I would hate that to happen to our state. I would love to see CAFOs banned. I know the yeah. American Public Health Association has a, a position statement calling for a moratorium yeah. on CAFOs. And I, I know you're, you've been following the toxic waste that is related to these swimming pools of manure, as you describe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there are so many risks. And I, I think, you know, the literature, and there's, there, within the past year especially, there's just literally been volumes of, of research that's been published. And I, I think of these risks that, can, that, you know, that are associated with CAFOs really could be categorized in terms of risk to the environment, uh, risk to rural communities, and risk to human health. And, and of course, they're all interconnected. That's right. And in environmental risk are all this toxic runoff. You know, we get lots and lots of rain here in Missouri. And um, it, so so this, this runoff from these huge manure lagoons impact our streams and our waterways. And there's, there's been cases where they've um, polluted domestic water wells. Uh, the, the air and ground com, uh, pollution is, is huge. Um, and, and something that a lot of people don't think about is the risk to communities. Um, if, if you have, uh, if you own a home near or too near a CAFO, you're going to see your, likely see your, your property value, um, go right down the tubes. Sure. And that's just simply because Who's going to want to buy your home if it's right. too close to a cable and, and, and it stinks too much? And then we've also found that businesses are not wanting to locate in towns that are, are too close to CAFO. So rural commu- communities are really impacted in that way, too. And mm-hmm. um, these CAFOs don't employ very many workers, and they, they don't depend on local businesses for, you know, for their operations. Yeah, the money I understand goes leaves the community and goes to the headquarters of the large corporation rather than staying in the community and building the wealth of that rural community. That's that's right. Traditional structure of rural agricultural communities is very interconnected and inter, and interdependent and and these CAFOs are as you say these large corporations where the feed and the animals and the supplies are all separate from the community. But 
The animals are shipped out of state, but this waste stays behind. And this is this waste and manure just hold just copious amounts of growth hormones and antibiotics. Um, a really appalling statistic is that CAFOs utilize about 70% of all U.S. produced antibiotics. Yeah, and you know. And they have to use that much because their animals will get diseased and die if, if they don't because they're held in such high concentration. It's like living in a tenement or a prison. I would know when I learned that 70% statistic too, I was really shocked. And, and that's just the sub-therapeutic amount that's used. That's right. uh, you know, add another 10% on for when the animals are truly ill. And then, of course, that's linked to these antibiotic-resistant infections. And I don't know about you, but the last time I became ill and needed an antibiotic, I was really glad that it worked. Yes, yes. Well, this, and what you're referring to is MRSA, M-R-S-A. Right. And that's a, that's a huge threat to everyone's health in this country. Right, and that stands for methicillin-resistant Staphylococcus aureus. And uh, I want to just let people know that, if you want to learn more about this disease, uh, the Pew Foundation did a great report on CAFOs and health risks, and you can also go to the Johns Hopkins University. There, they have done a lot of research too with uh, livestock production, these CAFOs, and human health. But the statistic that I heard from Amy Peterson, who is a doctor of veterinary medicine, I believe she studied at Johns Hopkins. Yes. Uh, she said that MRSA kills more Americans than AIDS. Yeah, that's right. And uh, yes, so it is a threat to everyone's everyone's health, and it is it, it's definitely related to large amount of amounts of antibiotics, indiscriminate use, and just this stuff is showing up in our water supply. That's right. And it's, you know, and then the other thing that we're hearing a lot about is swine flu right. and bird flu. And we don't really understand a lot about those diseases, and they're trying to figure out this latest batch of swine flu exactly where it's traced to, but we know the threat of flu. So there, you know, essentially there's just, a, there, there are numerous known health threats. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Julie, a lot of times um, there's the human health risk, of course. And I, I also want to add another reference for people who may want to do some more research on their own, and that's the Annie E. Casey Foundation. They do that kids' health report. I think it comes out every year, Kids Count. Yes. And uh, I remember Wes Schumeyer talking about how, when CAFOs move in, every indicator of child well-being declines. That's right. And so we see increases in childhood asthma rates yes. related to these CAFOs. Um, yeah, it's really tragic. And what impressed me so much about you is that here you are, one woman, and you have become a machine. <laughs> I'm so impressed with just what one person would do. Margaret Mead, you are the you are the living proof well, of what Margaret I, Mead said. You know, I just I appreciate that, but I I guess I just feel like um, I I know too much. I've learned too much. Right. I mean, this was this was something early on. We kind of thought, oh well, we'll you know try to do what we can to get this CAFO and. And Errol Rock stopped, and I just I just learned too much. So I'm in it for the long haul because this impacts all of us. 
It does. I heard one time a quote about our work and the importance of our work lasting beyond our lifetime. And I think anybody who works to protect our waterways and protect our soil and protect our air is protecting that for future generations. Right, right. So tell me, you know, what were you exactly trying to do? What were you trying to prevent? What were you, what were you trying to accomplish with your work? Well, uh, many things, obviously, because this is a multifaceted problem. But, you know, Missouri has simply catered to big agribusiness for far too long. And there are now about 50 permitted chicken, uh, I'm sorry, 50, I wish, 500 yeah. permitted chicken, dairy, and hog capos across Missouri. And and I think it's important to emphasize the word permitted yeah. because what happens in Missouri is the Missouri Department of Natural Resources issues permits for CAFOs. And they do so only if they're a certain size. For um, example, like in, in the case of hogs, we're talking about a permit that is needed for 2,500 hogs. And so all a factory farm want, needs to do to get under any permit requirements is just to drop down an animal unit to 2,499 hogs. And Amazing. so, you know, you think, well, you know, permits would, would help protect us, and, and they do because there are, there are some setbacks and some things like that that are involved, but they are also based around very weak regulations. And they really can't prevent things like manure spills and, and, and runoff and this particulate matter that floats through the air and, and noxious odors and, and, and the list just goes on and on. And, and so because these regulations are so weak, a CAFO operator can actually spread manure within 50 feet of a state park campground. Oh my. And the, you know, we just, we, you talked about Iowa and they really have suffered for years. They've got many more CAFOs and they have no setbacks. Mm. But even the setbacks here in Missouri, um, setbacks meaning how far uh, CAFO has to um, locate from a private or a public building. And we just, we, they're pretty much of a joke even here in Missouri. Um, and, and so because of those weak standards and regulations there and, and too few Department of Natural Resources personnel to really enforce what is there, we really feel like CAFOs should not locate near our beautiful Missouri State Parks or historic sites. And so we'd like to see a buffer around all of our Missouri State Parks. And I'd like along to see stronger state standards. I, I want to go even farther than that. You know, knowing what I know about public health and these CAFOs, I, I want to stand with the American Public Health Association and say, put a, put a moratorium on these things, dismantle them, return small family farms to our beautiful state and where, where the land can absorb the manure, where yes. it doesn't become an odor issue. Yes, 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 I, I agree, but, you know, they've called that moratorium was issued what maybe three years ago, four mm -hmm. years ago, and and nothing has changed. Um, the, however, public awareness is growing, and it's through the issuance of moratoriums from prestigious groups um, that that things can 
can happen. But, you know, in spite of that moratorium, um, in spite of what we think of uh, as being, you know, we have this wonderful resource in, with our, our state parks and historic sites, and that same year that the CAFO threatened Arrow Rock, uh, K, uh, Hog CAFO was permitted and is operating within a half mile of the Battle of Athens, yeah. the historic site, and that's up in northeast Missouri. And then a large chicken CAFO, 65,000 chickens, mm. and that's operating within two miles of Roaring River State Park. And, again, our parks are visited by the public. There are many, many people fishing on the Roaring River, and this this chicken capo is on the banks of the Roaring River watershed. And this is what I would describe as an infringement on the public commons. Yes. An infringement on our quality of life. You know, if you talk to people about what matters, what, what memories do you have that you have just the fondest uh, remembrances, they'll say, well, fishing with my grandfather yeah. or swimming with my children or yeah. canoeing down the river. Um, the inability to eat fish or these massive fish kills that are associated with this manure release. So, okay, Julie, you're going to tell us, you know, what what can we do? Well, <laughs> what can we do? Well, one thing that we have to do is, is work to level the playing field for independent family farmers. Right. Uh, we, we have got to let those guys produce livestock and in a more humane, environmentally, and community-friendly way, and that's what they're about. That's how they, that's how they do it. And there are, they're all, they, you know, those are alternatives are there, but as long as our tax dollars go to subsidize these huge factory farms, then we, we are not going to make any progress. If, you know, right now the USDA continues to subsidize poultry and hog factory farms and people need to know that what's happening is these por these pork and um, poultry industries have overproduced. And so USDA has spent millions of dollars buying out their products. And then they turn around and guarantee loans, subsidized loans, our taxpayers' dollars to um, help build new and expanding hog and poultry CAFOs. Amazing. And this is just fueling the problem. It's a vicious cycle. People can really, people can do something. In fact, there is a nationwide movement and one that Missouri Rural Crisis Center, you mentioned them earlier, yes. um, they are collecting signatures on a, um, a, a beautifully crafted letter to Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack and asking them to stop this. How can people get their signatures on that? Well, there are a couple of different ways they can do that. And if they go to um, www.morural.org, that's M-O-R-U-R-A-L.org, they can, they'll see a link right away to the um, to the letter, and they're trying to get all the signatures collected by the end of June. Okay. Um, or they can call the Missouri Rural Crisis Center, MRCC, and ask for Tim Gibbons. And their number, and they can get lots of information on this, too, from, from Tim. And okay. their number is uh, here in Columbia, 573 449 
Um, And it turns out they don't factor in the cost to the environment or human health. But the other thing is this this supposed cost savings has not been passed on to the consumer. Excellent point. Yeah. And, I, I, you know, all you have to do is look at the U.S. pork producers' statistics, and, and that becomes pretty clear. And the taxpayer subsidies. That's you know, right. how many consumers realize that our taxpayer dollars are going to, yeah. to really, we, we all pay a little bit right. uh, in addition to what we pay at the checkout. Well, Julie, I actually knew that this was going to happen. Um, I know when we we organized this conversation, we were um, talking about all the issues that we wanted to cover, and I knew that we could talk for for many more minutes than we have scheduled, but I personally want to thank you for the work that you're doing to protect our environment and our food system for future generations. And I also want to uh, let people know, again, how they can get involved in protecting our food system and our environment here in our beautiful state. And that would be to get in touch with the Missouri Rural Crisis Center. That's certainly a great local institution. And then also checking out the literature that's been published about these CAFOs. And do you think the Pew Foundation is a good source? Absolutely. And, you know, if people will just Google CAFO, C-A-F-O. Okay. Uh, all kinds of things pop up. Union of Concerned Scientists. Yes. Um, Pew, Johns Hopkins. There's, there's, there's many. And but a, a, a wonderful local place to start again is with uh, MRCC Missouri Rural Crisis Center. And again, that number for to reach Tim Gibbons is four four nine one. And that's area code 573. That's correct. Julie, thank you so much for spending time with me. And I just want to mention that Food Sleuth Radio is produced in the studios of KOPN in beautiful downtown Columbia. Thanks, Julie, and thanks to all who stay tuned with us. Thank you. This program is brought to you by listener support and a donation from the Missouri Symphony. Hot Summer Nights presents Classic Crawl on Wednesday, July 8th. Beginning at 5.30, the crawl takes place between four downtown locations with live chamber music, wine, and hors d'oeuvres amongst a backdrop of original artwork. After the crawl, the Missouri Theater Center for the Arts will have a concert featuring Free Planet Radio. Tickets and more information available at motheater.org or 573-875-0600.